Well, what's up, Ascent? Welcome to today's service. I know you think it to yourself. I already know that I just walk into Maurice's classroom right now. No, you didn't. And you're probably hoping that I was your child's homeschool teacher, but that's not what's happening. I'll actually explain the setup of this a little bit later. Today, I just wanna walk you to the service, let you know that we see you, and I can't wait to see you. Seriously, I can't wait to see you. Today, I'm gonna continue into a series um, around the idea of true north. As leaders, we sat down and we started to think to ourselves around all of the cultural chaos and just the season of holidays and all of this stuff. How do we anchor ourselves into what is true? How, how do we make sure that we refocus and reposition ourselves to our true north? Now, I'm not no hiker and I don't know exactly what a compass is used for all the time. Um, I see it on TV and things like that, but I do know that it guides us in the right direction. And for us here at Ascent, we firmly believe that true north is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Today, I wanna start off by thinking through two scriptures that I see Jesus bringing us into. If I could think about anything on this sermon, I want, to think, I want you to think about rather the word pace. Let me read these scriptures for you because I really want to show you what it means to be in the, two, the, the middle of these two scriptures. It says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and that sin that so easily entangles. Here it is. Let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Let us run that race. I think about that and I, I just, all the imagery of just being uh, enthusiastic of running the race that God has for us. And then I wanna read Matthew, the second scripture, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. It says, are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. I think about these two scriptures and the theme of the message today around pace. One scripture telling me, run that race, run, run, run that race. And another scripture saying, are you worn out? Are you tired? And I'm thinking to myself, as I sit in the middle of these two, like how do I handle these two? What, what is the pace that God is calling me into? Is it run? Is it run until I'm burned out? That can't be it. As I sat in the middle of this and I started to think more and more deeply about this. If I could frame this conversation in the title of this message, it would be the pace of grace. I think it's so important for us to recognize how we are living our lives. What is that pace? Because I look at the scripture that Paul, or excuse me, the writer of Hebrews is writing and in Hebrews chapter 12 telling us to run the race. And as I did some more studying, it made me think about Immediately, I think sprinting. And for whatever reason, I'm a big boy. <laughs> I'm thinking sprinting, get to the finish, finish line. Whatever that takes, get there by any means necessary, right? You gotta you know, grind, hustle, whatever that looks like, 
finish, get there. But then I'm reminded that there's another race, a race called a marathon. And the pace of a sprinting race and the pace of a marathon race are two different paces. And maybe you are where I am. Maybe we're using the rules and the pace of the sprinting and we're applying it to the rules and the pace of a marathon. And when we do that, we find ourselves wondering. We find ourselves in this, uh, in this space thinking to ourselves, why am I so burned out? I think what Jesus is calling us all to is the pace of grace. And that is what I wanna talk about today because I believe there is a rhythm that all of us should be leaning into. But for now, I want you to think about that word. What is your pace in this season? What does your pace look like? Have you been sprinting or are you going at the pace of grace? Hurry is the great enemy of spiritual life. To live the way of Jesus, we have to slow down. But this is not easy in the chaos of our urban digital world. To experience the life of Jesus, we have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. Allow his pace and his practices to rule our lives. Hurry will sever your connection to God, to other people, and to your own soul. Who are we becoming? Slow down. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Live freely. Live lightly. And find rest for your soul. All right, you guys, the pace of grace. Who in the world doesn't want to hear about that? I can't wait for Mo to unpack that for us later. But before that, I'm Bill Stevens. I'm one of the pastors here. And I just wanted to share with you guys a little bit of the vision of what's going on at the church right now. We are in the heart of the Christmas shop. This is the coolest thing we do as a church. I don't know if there's anything else that we do that is better at representing the love of Jesus and the need that's out there than for all of what you guys do with this Christmas shop. You guys, in the first week or so that we've been collecting gifts, you guys have given over 200 gifts. You guys have given, you, you've given some fantastic gifts already. But you guys, here's the deal. You've given 200, which is an awesome start. Here's how many we need, about 5,000. You guys listen, listen, you hear that and you go, that's impossible, 5,000 gifts? That's what you did last year too. 1,600 kids, over 5,000 gifts, a Herculean effort, everybody in the church. It's not, wasn't just who's gonna go do that, it's we're all gonna go do that. This year's a little bit harder because you guys are at home and you're not here on Sundays to go out to Target and come right back. This is the year we need you to just set the alarm on a Tuesday to remind you, I've gotta go do this. Go get a couple of gifts, bring them back in here. Let's bless the socks off of this community by putting as many gifts out there as possible. This 
this is our chance to really, really meet a need this Christmas season. Jump on board with us. It's as cool as it gets, you guys. Every part of it. I can't wait for the Christmas shop to start in a couple of weeks. Now look, before we get back to Maurice and before we get to Becky with some worship, I just want to give you guys a little bit of a financial update for us as well. Because all of what we're doing, this is all part of the vision of our church that blesses this community. We can only do that through the continued giving that you guys do. And you know, I've told you guys this before, our financial situation is, 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 is in a place that our income is less than our expenses. We got three different barrels of our expenses. We got, we got our personnel barrel, we've got our building barrel, and we've got our barrel that's all the blessing and all the stuff that we wanna do for this community. And, and all of that, that's that barrel too. And we've had to be careful and kinda of go skinny in each of those barrels. We're looking at each one of them, all that stuff, our mortgage and all of that, and even our personnel. And we're trying to figure out what do we do in the midst of this, this challenge that everyone's facing, all nonprofits are facing, all churches are facing. What do we do in the midst of that? I wanna be honest and open and real with you guys about it, that that's where we're at. We would love for you to think about what an end of year gift might look like this year. We'd love for you to think about what what, what giving might look like. Maybe it's maybe you haven't been as affected by COVID and, it, and you might go, you know, I can, I can give a little bit more in this season. The reality though, you guys, is we want that to be between you and the Lord. That God, it's, it says in, in scripture that God loves a cheerful giver. I want you guys to be spending that time with the Lord and just go, what do I want to give and what's, what's a cheerful giver look like for me? And then go ahead and, and, and commit to that. But that's part of the massive need that we've got around here in this season. Help us to continue to just bless as many people as we can with the love and the grace and the provision of Jesus. Okay. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do. Let's get back to worship. I'm going to pray for us this morning. We'll get back to have Becky and the worship team is going to sing us a song. And then Mo is going to unpack that, the, the whole idea of grace to us this morning. It's something we all need to hear. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the chance to be together. We thank you for the love that you have for us. And we pray that this morning would bring a joy to your face as we worship you and also we receive from you the love and grace that you have for us. God, may this be a phenomenal morning. God, be with Maurice as he unpacks scripture for us today. Uh, God, help each one of us to be in a position even if we're at home and on the screen and watching it from, a, from, a, from our beds, all curled up in our blankets, God, help us to be in a position to receive, receive your word and then live out your word in our life. It's in your name we pray, amen. Well, welcome Ascent. We are so glad that you are tuning in. We want to teach you a song today. It might be new for some of you, but the words of the song are powerful. So we're going to enter in together.
I told you a little bit earlier why I was going to be sitting at this desk. Usually you see me and you know exactly my energy, my um, tone, my pace, my cadence and everything else. I always tell our director, our production manager that, look, I got to be standing up. I got to be moving. I'm going to be loud and all of these things, right? Because that's just extroverted Enneagram 7 Maurice. Today, I'm forcing myself to do something different in the posture of sitting so that I intentionally slow down. If I ask you the question, what is the greatest enemy to your spiritual life? What would you think about? Just ponder that just for a moment. I don't want to rush past this. What would you say is the greatest enemy to your spiritual life? Initially, when I heard this conversation or heard the, the, uh, this phrasing, I started to think to myself, well, maybe, maybe doubt. Doubt could be something that comes in, I kind of fight off, and it could be help, you know, detrimental to my spiritual walk. Then I started thinking about fear. Fear, how much does fear hold me back from moving into what God is calling me to or doing something that I should? And the faith aspect, maybe it's fear. I'm a little churchy, and then I start thinking, maybe it's the enemy. Maybe it's the enemy that's the greatest threat to my spiritual life. What are your answers? What, what, what is it that comes to mind for you? Today, I want to pose something for all of us to ponder. Because I heard something that struck a chord with me. It's this guy named Dallas Willard. And he was having a conversation one time with this very mega pastor named John. He led them in one of the most influential churches in our world. John came to this place in his life where he began to struggle and figure out, man, how do I get back to where this place where I'm, I'm content and I'm satisfied and I'm, uh, I'm healthy again, all of these things. And his mentor, Dallas Willard, he looked at him and he said that the great enemy of our spiritual life in our day is hurry. The great enemy in our spiritual life in our day is hurry. And because of that, he goes on to say, ruthlessly eliminate hurry out of your life. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. This struck out to me so much for so many reasons. First and foremost, that's not the, how I would answer that. That's not how I would think what is threatening or what is an enemy to my spiritual life. Hurry? Ah, I mean, I got more stuff than that. And then I sat and I started thinking more and more about my pace. And I started thinking, how is my pace affecting my relationship with God? I think about the words of Dallas Willard and it strikes a chord with me because that's not how I would answer. That that wouldn't be nowhere on my top 10, probably not even on my top 20. But then I pause and I realize how much of my life is hurry. How much of your life is hurry? Schedule, agenda, all of the things that we just pack our lives with. There was a conversation that one pastor was having with another and he was trying to ask him a question around what he does with his, um, you know, this next level, you know, small group and how he will uh, scale the church to a different place and all these things. And he, the other pastor responded and said, you know, these are great things that you're coming up with, content, curriculum, all the things. 
But the thing that you're going to face the most is that people are too busy. And that's true, but also busy, if that is our answer, if we get to the end of our life and our response and our, our accomplishment is that we were busy, we hear it on the daily basis of how are things going? You know, all things are good, man, just busy. I got a lot going on, my plate is full. And some of those things are okay, we say it at a surface level, but if we dig deep enough, we recognize how in a rush we are with life and busyness impacts. Let's not even get to the spiritual level at first. Let's just even impact our bodies. How, how much does a rush going from thing to thing and going from one thing to the next and all of this stuff and clouding ourselves with things impact our health? Not too long ago, my grandma had a stroke. This is one of the matriarchs of the family. I've spoken about her before to some of you. She's a pastor down in Southern California. Her influence is amazing. Her reach goes so far. She is a powerful woman. Spiritually, she just, it, 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 I mean, all the things. Go back and look at other sermons as I talk about my grandma. She is the cornerstone of my faith. Recently, she had a stroke and I couldn't help but think as we started to talk to the doctor about what that stroke brought, why it was. And she, he just said the stress levels of all the things that she's been doing up until now, she needs to slow down. And how much can that, how, how does busyness start to not just impact our bodies of the, the, the toll that it takes on us to our health? Like we'll forsake health for busyness. And how will that just impact us? Let me just think about it in a spiritual sense because I can talk about that more and more. But as I started to do a little bit more deeping, deeper dive in, in a study, one person says that hurry is violence on the soul. When we rush our lives from one thing to the next, we're exchanging busyness for the health of our souls. And I just don't believe that God is calling us to a place where we have rushed so much and missed out on the health of our spirits and our souls. This one guy named Michael, he's from the uh, School of Business. He took a poll of, a Charleston School of Business. He took a poll of 20,000 Christians in America. This was his conclusion. It may be the case that number one, Christians are assimilating a culture of busyness and hurry and overload, which leads to number two, God becoming more marginalized in Christian lives, which leads to number three, a deteriorating relationship with God, which leads to number four, Christians becoming even more vulnerable to adopting secular assumptions about how to live, which leads to five, more conformity to a culture of busyness, hurry, and overload, and the cycle begins again. This quote is so striking because how many of us are in that cycle? How many of us, our pace and our rhythm is not the pace of Jesus? Jesus and his pace all throughout scripture, and I'll paraphrase two of them for you. 
But all throughout scripture, Jesus, as he's reaching with his influence, he has three years to do all that he needs to do, accomplish, fulfill uh, uh, the messianic promise, all of the stuff. And he has three years to do so. And the thing is with Jesus's life, nowhere in scripture can you see him rushing from one place to the next. I wanna read one scripture for you. It's Luke chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, this was striking because in Luke chapter 10, this is Jesus talking about, um, uh, paraphrasing, uh, but he's talking about a story of the great Samaritan. Some of you may have heard it. He said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. When he was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he stopped and took pity on him. He went and bandaged his wounds and poured oil and wine. And he put that man on his own donkey. Look at the imagery here that Jesus uses for the one, for the person that Jesus is trying to highlight. The person that Jesus is trying to highlight is not the one who was moved to the other side and kept going about their business, not the one who crossed the street and moved to the other side of the street and kept on going because they had a meeting to get to. No, Jesus highlights the one who stopped, who took time out of his day. Another passage, another scripture is in John chapter 11, and this is where Jesus, his friend Lazarus, dies. And just because he dies, these people are coming to him and asking, Jesus, you got to get over here. You got to come over here. You got to come to your friend. And the scripture says that Jesus waited two whole days before he made a move towards Lazarus. This patience, this pausing, this pace that Jesus has is never one that is hasty. It's never one that is rushing. It's not one that is full of hectic schedule. Look, he was the most demanded person on, just think about the per, most person who has the most demanding schedule, the emails. Hey, hey, Jesus, can you do this? Hey, hey, we need you to do this. The most interruptions. We, hey, can you fill this out? Hey, can you make sure you do this? And all of the stuff. And yet, in Jesus' life, he had a pace about him. How many of us are outrunning the pace of grace? How many of us are finding ourselves in a place where we are asking God, where are you? And Jesus is walking and he's saying, I'm here at this pace and you're ahead of me at a different place, at different pace. And where I am, provision is where, where I am, peace is where I am, that promise is. And because of that, this is what happens in our walk with God. I don't use a lot of cliches a lot, but that is one that I hear from pastors. And I do think that that is spot on. How do we walk with God? The pace that Jesus is at is where I believe all of us need to be. Because hurry is nothing but violence on our souls. I didn't looked a little bit further and started to see how we are impacted by the things that are around us. Jesus had three years to do all that he had, but not one scripture shows him rushing to the next place. And if our pace and Jesus pace are two different paces, then it shows me that there's something that's misaligned. 
where do we get this pace from, this sprinting pace from, this have to get it done pace from? If we're not careful, we will be mentored by culture. We will be mentored, shaped and formed by culture. Some of you are thinking to yourself, Maurice, I'm not shaped and formed by culture. Whether it's intentionally or unintentionally, what we are shaped by, what we see in culture, what we see in society is nothing but rush. If we got Amazon, it better be Amazon Prime. If I'm ordering food, it better be quick. If I'm in line and I only got two items, where's the express checkout line? I need to be faster than this. If I'm moving on the freeway, where's the express lane? It all has to be rushed. It has to be quick. It has to be at my pace, my timing of what I want, immediate results. And when we bring that rule, that pace into our spiritual life, think about it, the sprinter and the marathon, the sprint and the marathon, right? We bring these rules and this pace into a totally different area. And when we bring that pace into our area of relationship with our Lord, think about how that works. With God is, is trying to shape us, but yet we only give him the, the extra little kibbles and bits, right? We, we just, oh, Monday is good. Let me, you know, send up a prayer real quick before I walk into the office in this meeting because my boss is a little frustrated. Let me pray real quick. Tuesday goes by. Wednesday goes by. Thursday comes by and it's like, man, that's been a stressful week. Lord, where are you? Let me go ahead and pray real quick as I get into bed and lay down. Friday goes by, Saturday goes by and it's like, oh, Sunday's here. I forgot. It's the Lord's day. Let me go ahead and tune in to a scent online real quick. Oh, it's 1 p.m. I probably missed the service. It's all good. Let me go ahead and watch it on demand. No shame, but that's probably the rhythm that many of us have. And when we walk into this rhythm, when we are at this pace in life, we are not at the pace of grace. And I think to myself, and I wonder for all of us who are watching and listening, how has this impacted our spiritual walk? Jesus has two important words that he says at the very beginning of his ministry. He started off by saying, follow me. I firmly believe this is the essence of our spiritual walk, follow me. This is an invitation into a new rhythm, a new kingdom. And I believe that new rhythm is so countercultural. But Jesus says, follow me. When we're at the crossroad of joy and despair, he says, follow me into joy. When we're at the crossroad of this doubt and faith, Jesus is saying, follow me into this world of faith, even if you have your doubt. If we're at this crossroad of peace and chaos, Jesus is saying, follow me, follow me. And how many of us are outrunning God? If he says, follow me, we can never be ahead of the leader. We have to follow. We have to be in pace, in lockstep with where Jesus is. And I believe firmly that this only happens when we slow down, when we don't live the hurried life, when we actually live into a pace that is intentionally slower than the world that's around us. Follow me, this new rhythm, follow me into this new pace, follow me, seek me first because I have a rhythm for you that is going to be helpful to your soul and to your body. 
Lastly, I believe that rhythms matter so much to God that he actually designed it in the week that he, that in the weeks of the seven day week. Rhythms are so important to God that he designed the day of Sabbath. Some of you may know what Sabbath is, but Sabbath is this time where we stop, we pause, we slow down, we reflect, we intentionally stay in silence and begin to think, we share, we begin to be in feast and share food with one another, our family members and our community, and we slow our lives down. But let's be honest, the Western world, the Western Christian world of what Sabbath is, is to finish the task list is to feel accomplished at the end of that Saturday night or that Sunday uh, where we get to do all the things that we didn't do. It's uh, Sabbath in the Western world is a low level task list. I can get to honestly the, the smaller things that I had on my list that I wasn't able to get to. I knocked out all the big things during the week and I leave Saturday and Sunday so that I can leave the, the small task, the small to-do list. Is that the Sabbath that God created for us? I don't believe so. And I want to leave you with one scripture that it shows us that the rhythm is with rest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 through 11. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort, make every effort, make every effort to enter that rest. Make every effort to enter into that rest. I want to encourage you a sense that the rest, the rhythm that God is calling us all into is something not just for our bodies, but for our souls. And when we slow our lives down, we can take in, we're uncluttered by the things of this world. We actually can hear the voice of God. We can take in what is happening around us. And that's when we experience God. It's why I have this setup. It's why I decided to do this. Even as much as I am extroverted, Maurice, you gotta slow down. Change your posture from standing up and being extroverted and being, you know, loud and all the other stuff. Change your pace because you can still fulfill purpose at the pace of grace. You can still accomplish what God is calling you to at the pace of grace. Busy and hurry, the hurried life is nothing but a great threat to our spiritual walk with God. And today, I hope you ponder that. What is my pace? Where am I going with this pace? What is my motivation in this pace? And am I in pace with God? Am I walking with God? These are things to ponder for us. And today, as we move from this moment to the next, worship slows us down. And I want you guys to be thinking about all of this content during our time of worship because God is calling us to a different pace. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided
And I'm not a captive to the lies I'm not afraid to leave my past behind Cause I won't be shaken Cause I won't be shaken My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love My fear doesn't stand a chance when I'm Standing your love, my feet doesn't stand a chance when I'm standing your love. There's power, there's power that can break up every chain. There's power. Are you tired, worn out, burned out by religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. I simply want to say at the very end of all of this, maybe you're in that place. And if you're not, I can guarantee you, you're probably on that way, on your way there. There's a few things that I want you to really consider in a spiritual world, a Christian world, we call them practices. And there's some practices that I really want you to think about and consider. At the very end of this service, there's going to be something on the screen that shows you a list of practices and it shows you even a website that I want you to go to. And at this website is where I've been starting my journey and I want you to start that journey with me. 
so much content, so much uh, uh, curriculum and resources around what it looks like to change our pace. A couple of those is slowing down, silence, solitude, and Sabbath. And I believe when we lean into these, these are the things that undergird the new rhythm that God is calling us to. Because we need something to fortify the new rhythm. We just can't talk about a new rhythm. We need something to undergird that. And I want you to really think about those resources and think about a few of the examples that I'm gonna have on that screen. A couple of them are simple things around the way that we drive, around the way that uh, we set down our phones and the time that we put our phones down and turn off all of the world because so many of us can have noise fatigue and we're so cluttered that we can't see or hear where God is. I hope you've been blessed by this and I hope you really take in consideration some of those application steps that's gonna be at the very end of this service.